Hello and welcome to the Improper Thinking Podcast. I am Jerome. This is a Monday morning here in the Bay Area, and we've had a lovely weekend. The Warriors have won, and the sun has been shining. So today I wanted to speak to you about something that I think has been brought up in parts in the media and has been spoken about, but I don't think the real meaning has come out to everybody. We're going to talk today about diversity in technology and diversity in the technology industry. So I know that people have talked about, you know, it being a a white dominated office and that most coders are young white males. And so there's been two diversity issues in tech. One has been the gender diversification and the other has been the color diversification. Both these things have added up to, you know, us talking about offices and when you walk in feeling comfortable if you're a person of color or if you're a female in the workplace, feeling that you're not being, I guess, not heard and pushed aside and it being a male-only club. I think that there's another step in diversity in technology. And I think perhaps even one that is as important. We're developing technology now for the future. Technology that is going to integrate into our lives through the services. I spoke in the last podcast about the services that are going to get delivered to us, the products that are going to get delivered to us, and how that's going to affect our lives and and really become the biggest industry on the planet. If, If we're going to have that amount of integration in our lives and we're going to have that amount of technology in our lives, then we really have to be careful on how we create that technology. Because unless the technology is sensitive to gender and to color and can differentiate it is not going to factor in the social cues and the sensitivities and the special needs that are required when we're dealing with gender-specific or race-specific issues in our community. And I think sitting here today, nobody can really argue that those sensitivities and those things don't exist. And so when we create technology at the moment, we're creating it kind of like a, a one-stop type thing or one-size-fits-all. And I think we need to get to a place where we're coding for specific situations and people. And as artificial intelligence becomes more prominent and we start getting people's likes and their patterns together... I think this is gonna this is gonna come into effect. Now, if you take AI and you go, okay, well that's gonna fix the problem. Well, it's not. AI has to be created by someone. And unless that person creates code inside of the AI that can allow for the sensitivities can allow for human condition, can allow for social conditions, 
then those conditions never arise into the artificial intelligence engine. So when I speak about diversity in the technology industry, diversity in coding is a real thing. We need coders that are female who allow that sensitivity to come through. If, for instance, you're a woman in the workplace um, and pay is an issue or let's say leave for having a baby is an issue or you're just feeling disempowered in some way, there has to be mechanisms to deal with this in technology because all of our services are going to be delivered in technology. And if we look at services, there's services that are provided by the government, by medical institutions, by banking, and all of these things have to take into consideration the social and the human impact that that person's going through. So for instance, if you're going to lodge a complaint as a woman in the workplace on sexual harassment, you would like the technology to know the gender-specific sensitivities, and you would like it to direct it and treat it in a way that makes everybody feel better, makes the, the victim feel empowered. At the moment, all of the mechanisms that we have is that you walk into an office, you sit down in front of a, probably in most circumstances, a male supervisor, and you have to tell him about his friend, perhaps creating an uncomfortable situation in the office. This doesn't empower the the victim. It doesn't empower the person that is complaining. And so these mechanisms will change with technology. And I'm sure, you know, the complaint will be made over technology and then the mechanism will be more or less controlled by it as well. So when we create the code for this, there has to be somebody in that position or somebody that comes from that world or somebody that has felt a little bit of that able to put that sensitivity into their code. Because if you don't, then you're asking somebody from the other side, a white young male who has never been discriminated against, to write code for somebody that has. And I'm sure we can all see the problems in that. I'm sure we can all see why that would not work. For instance, it's like, you know, a young white male who has come from a privileged family that went to a privileged private school writing about the pain of racial inequality and not quoting anybody from the African-American community. One, it's not going to be tolerated. Two, it's not going to work. And that's what we're asking coders to do. We're asking them to do the same thing. We're asking them to have sensitivities about these human conditions when they come from a different world. For me, the diversification in technology is the diversification in code. And once we create that, once we use that as the mechanism, it fixes the other problem of 
diversity in the office because you have you'll have coders and people that are building architecture and people that are, are building algorithms that come from a diversified background whether it be gender or whether it be color and so it fixes the other problem through inheritance but let's get to the source of it let's get to where we need code to actually be written by people that have had personal experiences or that have felt something go on and they're writing the code from that experience what can what could have been made better what could be delivered better what could be used to empower or encourage people to speak out so that we don't have another me too situation where you had somebody like Harvey Weinstein for years and years decades just subjecting people to rotten behavior and yes he's got his you know he's got he's been brought up and he's been charged and uh, I guess there's a there's a court case going on and he's lost a lot but for years and decades, he has, he has really benefited from that behavior and he has been left unchecked. What happens now doesn't erase those decades. It doesn't erase the careers that he's ruined. It doesn't erase the feelings that he's propagated down and that he has hurt people. Once something is done, you know, we, we talk about justice, but there's a point where things can just not be fixed because it's just gone on for too long. And the devastation that it's caused is just too big. There'll be people that would never recover from it. And yet he will still be rich and still be you know, still have his, have his money. Okay. He might not have his company. He might not have fame, uh, in the way that he had it before. And he might not be honored at, at award shows, but he, he hasn't suffered the same fate as, as the victims. So we need to get back to creating mechanisms that make people feel comfortable instead of these things dragging on and then coming to a, a movement eventually because it just gets too much to tolerate. And I think this is a great place for technology to help. I think people feel empowered when they use technology to complain, when they use technology to, to speak out, when they use technology to show that they're hurting. I mean, we've all seen the social media posts where people have put up things about their lives that, I don't know, they, they may have had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody, but now they can put it out there to people and really tell them how they feel. And, you know, they're not looking for a direct response, but they are wanting to get it out. And so I think in, in today's age, people have a larger voice you translate that voice into specific situations and services. And I think it makes sense, but the coding has to come from people that have been put into that situation 
that have experienced that situation and that can code from a sensitivity that has evolved from that situation. I see a lot of people talking, experts talking about a a racial situation. So Colin Kaepernick taking a knee uh, when the national anthem for for his football game was going on. And they're talking about that's disrespecting the flag and, uh, you know, he shouldn't be doing that. And I, I don't think the other side sees the hurt. I don't think they, they realize how big the problem is. I don't think they realize how much needs to change. And I don't think they know what it takes to change society or practices or inequality in in situations. Things don't change overnight and they don't change because somebody's done the minimum. Things change when people really go at it, when they create an event that is so memorable that it burns into people's memories, that it becomes part of history. And that trigger creates change. The understanding of what somebody is going through as a, as a female or somebody of color, you can walk into a room and you can get a sense of what people think of you just by how they look at you or how they deal with you for the first 30 seconds. And that's an intangible that you can't explain. And if it's there on every meeting and if it's there in everyday life, it, it has a, it has a totality of impact on you. There is something that, that gets stripped away or something that puts you on the defensive or something that makes you feel very unbalanced. And over years of life and, 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 and those type of experiences, people, people's perspective is different. And I think that that perspective is is an important thing to take into consideration because when laws are made or organizations are built or things are thought of to, to, to better that, it has to come from that perspective because if it comes from the other perspective, it doesn't carry the weight. It doesn't carry the sensitivities. It doesn't carry all of the experiences that that person's had. And if it doesn't, then it's missing. And in code today, we have missing. We have missing elements that are to deal with social issues. We have missing elements that are to deal with people's sensitivities. You know, we have things that are put in place that are generic. So if you are, if you are white, middle class, and you have a, have a sense of privilege, then the rules sort of propagate down. But if you are a person of color, maybe an immigrant, and you have different issues, you look at those things that have been applied to you and you go, geez, this is not really a big concern to me. I have more pressing issues. I have life-changing events. So I think diversity in coding is something that needs to happen 
just right now, before we create the code that integrates fully into our lives, we're already, we've started on this journey of integrating technology into our lives, into our cars. They said, you know, I read an article the other day. It said cars are going to be more iPhone than muscle or automotive because everything that you do inside a car now is going to be brought into an application. It's going to be interacting with you more. It's going to be a little bit more like Alexa. So before we have this integration, before it becomes an all encompassing part of our lives, we really need to understand how we're going to create it. And we need to have some responsibility on how we create it. And so it's up to the tech companies of today to identify and to fix or correct what is happening right now. And I think there's a great responsibility there and they can't come out later and say, oh, we just missed that. Or, oh yeah, we we didn't really think about that. We didn't factor it in or we were just looking for the best talent. Those are excuses. And you, you can't shirk that responsibility. The tech industry is new. We understand that. So it's up to the leaders of this tech industry now to pave the way of how it gets run before government and overarching organizations come in and force the changes. And when changes are forced, both sides are at odds, they break even, or they settle on something that is not perfect for people. It is each side giving a bit until they find a compromise. I don't want technology to be a compromise. I want it to be as helpful and as useful and as sensitive to my needs as it could possibly be. And so if we, if we don't want to reach that point of where we have to compromise and where we have to really look at things and, and, and just do the minimum, let's pave the way now and set the standard and really think about how this, how this industry takes off and, and becomes an everyday part of our lives and be responsible with it. I think it's a it's a challenge for tech companies and for for the leaders of tech to do it. I think it's a, it's a new industry that it hasn't really been regulated and I think it can be one of the industries that really sets itself apart from say an automotive industry or banking industry or housing industry that are hev- heavily regulated because the people at the beginning didn't do the right thing. Um Tech has always been different. The way it blows up, a company can go from zero to a unicorn in what seems like overnight. So it is different. Automotive companies have taken decades and, you know, they've gone through the 50s and the 60s and the 70s to get to where they get to today. And a tech company could be around for 12 months and be three times the size of that company that is in the automotive industry. So for me, it is different. It is innovative. It is thinkers. 
putting things together for human beings. And I think that comes with a responsibility. If you're going to call yourself innovators, if you're going to call yourself intelligent, if you're going to call yourself different, then make sure that that is practiced now and put into effect so that people can have a better service that is delivered to them in the future. This is Improper Thinking, and I'm Jerome, and I hope you guys enjoyed this. Our next one will be out on Wednesday. Thanks very much for listening.